as uh, Jeremy mentioned, we are reading through the book of Psalms. And um, we're halfway done. We're reading through the Psalms together as a community. We, we have a, a, a book that we produced that it's just, it's just the Word of God. Just like Mike said, we go by the Word of God. Nothing else. No other doctrines. And we are, we're elder-led. We're not pastor-led. We're not synod-led. We're not... We, we want you to be um, following God, not a person. Get that? All right. So as we read along, okay, how many of you get distracted during sermons? Come on. How many of you get distracted during sermons? Yeah, I do. Even your pastors do. So last week, while Jeremy's preaching, though I did listen to it, I, I did, I, I, had my, I had my book reading through it, and I go, huh, because I already knew that I was going to do Psalm 75. Today, So you can get to Psalm 75. That's the main introduction there. Uh, Psalm 75. I said, gosh, I wonder how many Psalms we've read up to 75. Because, you know, the first week we only did three Psalms. Of course, one of the Psalms was 119. It was divided up. But so I was like, how many are we close to being halfway? And when I got and I started counting them, I'm like, Barb's like, what are you doing? I'm like, one, two, three. When I got to Psalm 75... It was actually the 75th Psalm, which is really crazy because we've been all over the place. Psalm 139, Psalm 9, Psalm 41, all these different ones. But still, when we got to Psalm 75, which you read this week, that's actually the 75th Psalm. Why is that important? Because there's 150 Psalms. It means we are literally halfway there. And so the name of my sermon today is Halfway There. And so as I've been preparing this week, I have been singing a song in my head. It's a heathen song. How many? Bon Jovi. Living on a prayer. Oh, we're halfway there. Yeah. How many, how many sermons have you heard with that on there? Okay. Anyway. that's Because we're, we're, we're literally halfway done. We started this thing in March 8th. And we're going to be done in August. But we are in reading the psalms, singing songs daily from God's Word. And I tell you, it's been amazing. It's amazing to me. And the people I've talked to in the congregation, it's like, man, it's been amazing. We've been reading the psalms. How many of you, like, read a psalm that particular day? Because, you know, the rest of the community is you want to keep up, you want to do it. And then something in the day relates to what you've read or sang that day. I mean... It's uncanny. In fact, I submit to you, it's divine. So, we went through the Psalms this week that were written by a gentleman by the name of Asaph. Okay? We had seven of them, or six of them, because we've gone through six of them, but there's actually more. He wrote 12, but they're also in different areas. Um, and, in areas of psalms. We have talked about different types of psalms. We've talked about thanksgiving psalms. We've talked about lament psalms. We've talked about... I'm going to introduce a new type of psalm to you. I tell you, by, by the time August comes and you start reading psalms, you're going to be, oh, well, that's a thanksgiving lament psalm. 
or oh, that's an oracle psalm, or that's a yeah, you're going to get educated, and you're going to know this. You're going to be able to grasp onto these things. So today, Psalm 75, if you look at it, it's a Thanksgiving oracle, Thanksgiving psalm. I will show you why I'm saying that, okay? So what we're going to do is we're just going to dive right in, and we're going to read all of Psalm 75. Wait, you're going to read the whole chapter? Yeah, it was only 10 verses. Okay? And then we're going to look at it. So here we go. Psalm 75. For the director of music, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, a psalm of Asaph, a song. That's the superscription. Okay? And it says, to the tune of Do Not Destroy. We don't know what that tune was. But the original hearers of this knew that tune. I mean, if I said, we're going to sing this psalm in the tune of Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Everybody would know it. I know, that's so heathen. We sing to the song, How Great Thou Art. Okay, how's that? Does that sound more pious? (laughs) All right, so let's, here we go. Verse 1. We praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. You say... I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant I say, boast no more. To the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven and do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God Who judges? He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be. Lifted up. That's the song. That's the song. One of the things that we we look at, and we, if you notice, if you read all of the songs, psalms of Asaph, a lot of them have judgment in them. And Jeremy, very distinct, succinctly, because I did listen, talked about judgment that. God is the one to judge, and he judges right. He will always judge right. Always. Now, he may not judge in your time, but he's going to judge right. At the end of time, in the day of the Lord, everything will be made right by God. Now, how many of you have heard, Oh, at the day of the Lord, we will rejoice. And he talked about judgment. I've always had a problem with that. I've always been, I can't wait. Great. Do you know why I say I can't wait? Because when it talks about the wicked, when it talks about the unrighteous, when it talks about the arrogant, I know that's me. And I'm not really excited about the judgment, quite frankly. (laughs) Yay. 
Okay, God, go judge us. <laughs> so what's all this praise? Asaph talks about it. We're going to praise God. We're going to thank God because judgment. <laughs> I can't put my mind around that. Or I haven't been able to put my mind around that until this study that I've been doing the last two weeks in Psalm 75. Interesting fact here. When you read the superscription at the first part of Psalm 75, if you were to go to the Jewish Bible, because the superscription in your American Old Testament, New Testament Bible canon here, it's just a superscription. It's not a verse. In the Hebrew Bible, that's verse 1. So Psalm 75 in the Hebrew Bible, is 1 through 11. In the Christian church Bible, it's 1 through 10. And the subscription is just, up, just sitting there above. I thought that was an interesting fact. Okay, I thought it was an interesting fact. All right. Listen, so who is this Asaph guy who's writing Psalms? We have him. We know where he's at in the Bible. We know... He isn't just some random guy. David appointed Asaph. Asaph was a Levite. And those were that were part of the, of the Levitical line, there were three groups of them. They were in charge of the temple. They were in charge of the tabernacle. Each of them having specific jobs to do. Okay? And so when David sets up the praise and worship in the tabernacle that has been brought into Jerusalem, he appoints some to musically lead people in praise. And Asaph is one of these guys. And so some of the things, when you read some of the Asaph Psalms in the book of Psalms, they're very liturgical. They are clearly meant for specific times, like... Well, today's baby dedication. Well, baby dedication day, we should have this one song, you know, Jesus loves the little children. I mean, it, was, it just kind of goes along with it. You follow me? There's some strange looks. All right, let me start over. Here we go. Psalm 75. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in First in Chronicles 6, 31 through 32, here's where we, we discover Asaph. Um. These are the men David put in charge of the music in the house of the Lord after the ark came to rest there. They ministered with music before the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, until Solomon built the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. They performed their duties according to the regulations laid down for them. Okay, so we know that David implemented and installed a group of singers, worship leaders, if you will, who were going to lead the people of Israel when they came to the temple to present their sacrifice and to praise God with their thanksgiving offerings, with their reasons, I just want to thank you, God. I'm going to go to the temple and I'm going to, to the temple or the tabernacle and present myself. David said, we have a group of leaders who are divinely equipped with this ability to do that. And if you continue on in First Chronicles 6, it says, And Heman's associate, Asaph, who served at his right hand. 
And then it talks about Asaph, son of Barakai, son of Shemiah. And he traces his, his lineage all the way back to Levi. So you're showing that he is Levitical. He's supposed to be part of helping in the tabernacle in time. And he is divinely gifted to bring about music because David has organized them to do that. So, what were some of Asaph's duties? If we look at 1 Chronicles 16, 1 through 5, I mentioned this before in one of the Psalms when we did the Psalms in Lament. We did Psalm 88, and we're like, oh, we're all depressed. Well, this is in relation to that. So, 1 Chronicles 16, 1 through 5. Actually, it's 5a. They brought the ark of God and set, set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord. The God of Israel, Asaph, was the chief. He was the big kahuna of music leaders, as the case may be. So, this is how these songs that were written by a gifted Levite ended up in the book of Psalms. He wrote them. And he had a way to do it. But... That's, the, that's not the last time we hear about Asaph. And it's more important today because when we talk about the oracle psalm, why this is important. Let me take you back and set some context before I tell you where we find Asaph and what he is called. Years later, King Hezekiah is king at the time. Actually, he's just become king. Ahaz was his father, and Ahaz did amazingly wicked things. They closed up the temple that was built by Solomon, and they brought in other gods to worship within the confines of the temple foundation. So when Hezekiah becomes king, and he realizes the mistake with which his father did, and he wants, he goes, oh my gosh, we've got to cleanse out the temple. We've got to get all of these old these um, gods that they have, these images, this stuff. Let's get them out. And Levites, you've got to consecrate yourselves, and you've got to clean out the temple and, and get it all set up so that we can practice God's law. And then they do Passover. It's not the Passover, the normal Passover. It's just a Passover because we haven't done Passover in forever. And we get this passage here in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And so, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 29 and 30. And when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David... And of Asaph, the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. So everybody knew who Asaph was in posterity. 
But he's not just called a musician. He's called a seer. That is so significant when it comes to the passages that we study in Psalms where Asaph is the author. Why is that important? Because a seer is also known as a prophet. And the, and the Bible is really, key, really clear about who a prophet is. A prophet is someone who hears from God and tells you what he says. And, and, and many times prophets will say, you know, you need to do this. And this is what's going to happen in the future. And if it happens, that means I've actually come from the Lord. That proves that I'm a true prophet. So there's false prophets and there's prophets. Okay? So Asaph is called a seer, which we know is a prophet. How do we know that? Because Samuel is called a seer. When Saul is off looking for his dad, his dad's lost donkeys, and he can't find them. And they go, hey, we don't know where the donkeys are. They said, hey, we know there's a seer in town. And they're talking about Samuel. And at that point, Samuel realizes that Saul is going to be anointed king. But the idea of a seer, a true seer, is that you hear what God is saying, and you say, like prophets do, thus saith the Lord, right? That means God's saying this. And you got a problem with what I'm saying. Take it up with God. I'm just telling you what he says. That's exactly what a prophet does. So Asaph is called a seer. Not only is he just some musician, he's also someone who hears what God is telling him. That's why in Psalm 75, when you see him saying, I will judge the people. Uh, he's talking about what God is saying. It says in early on in 75, you say, he's talking about God, you say this. He's speaking, thus saith the Lord in a song. And there's lots of people that say, well, God said this. And they could be wrong. I mean, I could make up a song that said, God says you can steal any money from anybody else if they have more than you. But if we look at Scripture, and it's not in line with Scripture, then you would say, you are a false prophet or a false musician. But Asaph was never proved wrong. That's why he is a prophet. He is a seer and not a false seer, false prophet. Got it? That's why this is so significant in this passage in Hezekiah. So, there are 12 songs that are psalms that are associated with Asaph, 73 through 83, and Psalm 50. When we get to Psalm 50, which we have not done yet later on, it's one of the most amazing passages, and you will, you will absolutely love it. So, so most of Asaph's Psalms have God's judgment as part of the focus, but yet it's a source of praise. Why is that? And then there's this mention in Psalm 75 about horns. What the heck is horns? You read that and you go, wait, horns? Well, if you go to your Bible dictionary... I'm going to give you all the definitions of horns. Okay? And we'll look at this. Number one, it means trumpets. 
Horns mean trumpets. <laughs> wow, that's a stretch. Okay, let me tell you, I, I sit in my office and I think about these things. This is going to just show you kind of how wacko I am. Okay, so when someone sees a cow and there's horns on it, did they say, those are horns before or after someone pulled that off the cow and went, you know, the chicken and the egg, was a horn before it was a horn? Was it, just, was it before it was just those pointed things on the cow's head? And then later on they went, hey, those are horns on that cow's head. Which, which was it a horn? This is the stuff I think about. I know. Anyway. Number two could be flasks or vessels that are made of horn material. There is a, there's a place early on in the Torah, Moses' first five books, who use horns metaphorically, projecting the corners of the altar that was burned, I mean, that they burned stuff on. The horns were the four corners, and the priest was to put blood from the sacrifice onto the horns of the altar. Then there is the words uh, horn, which denote um, a summit of a hill. We see that too. There's a go up to that horn up there. Then there's a horns that are a symbol of royal dignity and power. Okay, we're getting close to maybe what Asaph is saying. Then the, it can be used metaphorically for strength and honor and power and dominion and glory. Okay? It could be mean fierceness. Those are all the definitions. Now let's read Psalm 75 again. With all the stuff that I told you, and maybe it can give you more meaning and look upon this, okay? We praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. This is God speaking here. When the earth is all its pillars quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. And to the arrogant I say, boast no more. To the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. And do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or west or the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foam, foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, and this is Asaph speaking for himself, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked. But the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. So why, can we, why should we thank God and remember his wonderful deeds and know that he is going to judge and judge righteously? Why should this be something that we should praise about? 
Because when he talks about the arrogant, when he talks about those that are in insolence toward God, sometimes that's me. Let me tell you why we praise. In America's jurisprudence, or in Western culture's jurisprudence, we believe that people are innocent until they're proven guilty. And I totally believe that from, from a man's point of view. We should be innocent until proven guilty. That's the Western culture. That's one of the, that's one of the gigs that we do. But let me, say, let me tell you something. Listen carefully to this. But in God's jurisprudence, if you will, we are guilty until we're made innocent. And that is exactly where we sit as Christ. Just as Mike said from when we did the communion. Christ died on the cross. He paid the penalty. Suffering God's wrath for the sins that we have done. And so by we accepting that free gift of salvation that Christ won for us on the cross. And not only did he win for us on the cross and die on our behalf. He proved that he was God by raising from the dead and continuing to live and that we can live with him for eternity. So if someone said, oh, God's coming to judge the earth, you know, that's good. That's good. Because you know what? Because of what Christ did on the cross, I will be justified. I will be innocent because of what Jesus did. We can celebrate when God makes everything right and the things, the mistakes we've made, the things, the stupid stuff we've done to ourselves and to other people. God is the one who say, yes, you screwed up, but I redeem you and I can because of the blood that I shed for you. That is what is so amazing. And that's why we are joyful. That's why we can sing praise about God judging the earth. And making right in his time. Uh, I hope that you got a little bit different look at a song that sometimes you go, oh, okay, I read it. There's, there's so much that God's word continues to give that we can dive into and keep diving into, and God just keeps giving us more and more. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. Maybe you're off. Maybe you have to work. I don't know. But take some time tomorrow reflecting on those that sacrificed their life for our country, for our freedoms. You know, Jesus said this, greater love hath no one than this than he who laid down his life for others. So please take some time to do that I mean, that's my recommendation since it is Memorial Day. I'm going to pray, and then you will be dismissed. If you have any um, prayer needs, the elders will be up front. We'll be happy to pray with you. Listen, if you can't rejoice...
because you're afraid of judgment and you have not accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, you need to do it today. I mean, today. Because I want you to rejoice with us. Father God, we come before you. Thank you so much for who you are. Father God, in your psalm, you said that we rejoice and we thank you. This is something that we need to practice and we need to do now. We need to be grateful. We need to praise you. We need to thank you. Because that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. Might as well get it right now. So Lord, please help us to do that. Help us to continue to be grateful and thankful. Help us to represent you by living a life, a life changed because of what you have done for us. Help us, Lord. We thank you and praise you for all that you've done. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great one.